0: Alright, welcome. Um, I know I said this every time I'm up here, but it is an honor and privilege to try and bring you um, God's word and rightly divide it. And with that always comes a fear of uh, bringing you the right words. And uh, so you know there is is lots of time and effort and uh, seriously, very seriously take this. And trying to bring you um, God's Word, that it may be of comfort, and there's encouragement, and but with that comes um, you know conviction. So some, sometimes messages are hard to hear. Sometimes there's comfort. Um, maybe they should all be there at the same time, but uh, I'm fairly new. Thanks, Tim. At having this opportunity to do this, so uh, please have grace with my words if uh, something is strange to you or uh, maybe offensive. I don't think it would be, but you know, you never know. All of us have different beliefs and what God has allowed us, revealed for us to understand so far in our lives. Today's message is uh, James one seventeen. It's funny, I'd plan on doing more, um, but it's interesting how one verse can have so much in it. I mean, it's just, it, it just amazes me. Um, but it's uh, titled Perfect Gifts from the Father. And the last time, last time we were in James, uh, we ended with verse 16, and he said, Do not be deceived, my brethren, my beloved brethren, which is ex- an exhortation to um, not be deceived in thinking that God is the author of sin, but on contrary... He is the author of all good things. Matthew Henry comments, We must own that God is the author of all the powers and perfections that are in the creature. And the giver of all the benefits which we have in and by those powers and perfections. But none of their darknesses, their imperfections, or their ill actions or to be charged in the father of lights. So moving on to our text, uh, if you would turn with me to James one seventeen. And if you're able to stand, if you'd stand with me as we read the Holy Scriptures. James one seventeen, <clears throat> his inerrant word says every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Let's pray. Gracious God, I'm amazed at your wisdom and understanding and um, of your greatness and how incomprehensible it is Lord, would you please reveal us to you? Give us wisdom and understanding. Would you just enlighten us? Make things simple for us to understand. And would you change us? Teach us your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe may be seated. So what do we have? Whatever we have from above is a gift. We have nothing but what we have received. And what we have received, we have received freely. Young people or children, if you received Christmas gifts last year, which was probably, well, obviously not too long ago, she so probably remembered what you got. You know, was it because of your complete Obedience to your parents? Was it wasn't because you never once lied to them, never dishonored them with your speech. No, you received the gifts because they loved you. It's not your works or any merit or any good in you that caused your parents to give you good gifts. And isn't it great that you didn't even have to buy them either, but your parents bought them? Or whoever else gave you the gifts, maybe. But they are given freely. All you had to do was take them. And it's just as God gives freely to us His good and perfect gifts. So what are these gifts that are freely given to us or bestowed on us? They are good and perfect gifts. And they are good and perfect because they make us, good and perfect. So there's an outline uh, if you got uh, the bulletin, and I just I just want to make sure um, that this was able to be easy followed, easily followed. Um, I don't try to put fluff in here to extend the sermon in any way. Um, I just try to give the meat, and hopefully there's. Just not too much meat. I don't know. (laughs) You know, it's always hard to determine exactly what you know um, it's good from the come up here for what needs to be spoken. Um, So I'm splitting this verse into three sections. Uh, Every so you can see every uh, good and perfect gift is from above. Be the first part. Secondly, coming down from the Father of Lights. And thirdly, obviously, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. But in the first part of the text, in every good and perfect gift is from above, there are three main points I want to cover of this, which would be one, perfect gifts are spiritual gifts. Two, only God's perfect gifts satisfy. And three, we must pray for perfect gifts. We must ask for them. So one, perfect gifts are spiritual gifts. These examples would be mercy, grace, regeneration, salvation, adoption, righteousness, the renovation of our natures, and eternal life. Hence, these spiritual blessings regenerate us, they save us, redeem us, sanctify us, conform us, and strengthen us. Oh, what wonderful gifts that we do not deserve. Thomas Manton writes, Sin, which indicates how undeserving we are, makes mercy even more of a gift, so that now in every giving there is some forgiving. Grace gives us even more, because in every blessing there is not only bounty, but a pardon. You see, the more that we are aware of how undeserving we are of these blessings, of these gifts, the more it should compel our hearts to thankfulness and glorification to God. And as we've gone through, through James, we also saw, saw trials, um, speak of trials much, and we should consider it all joy, but that's because they are gifts. Trials are gifts. So that trials test our faith, therefore strengthen our faith. Trials make us perfect and complete. Without trials, we aren't perfected. they reveal review our weaknesses, and strength is perfected in weakness, as we saw or see in 2 Corinthians 12.9. For my strength is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So the power of Christ may dwell in you. And that is how and why we consider it all joy when we encounter various trials. Second point, only God's perfect gifts satisfy. Earthly gifts of protection and provisions are wonderful. It's great to have warm houses to live in. It's comforting when there's enough money to buy groceries, to make the mortgage payment, you know, and nice to have some left over for vacations. It's a blessing to have friends that care for you and share in your burdens. It's a blessing to have weather that reaps a great harvest. Though understanding these gifts, understand these gifts or blessings may give temporal relief and satisfaction, but will always leave you wanting more. They will never quench your thirst, just like you are no longer satisfied with the toys from last year. Maybe that new bike is wearing off its newness already. The new car smell is already going away. The newness wears off. The happiness you once had in the earthly good is swept away like leaves in wind. Do not be fooled into loving the things of the world. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2.15 You see, we can too easily give our allegiance and our dependence and our affections to things in this world. It's so easy. but These will never suffice us. The earthly gifts that we think and believe are so good can actually keep us from God's perfect gifts. The earthly gifts, protection, provision, riches, Whatever it might be, the things that we think satisfy us in this world can actually keep us from God's perfect gifts. You know how often do we think riches will solve everything? If I just had this much more money per month, you know, if I just made this much more per year, we could do such and such. I know I've had thoughts lots of times. How often, know, you know, you'll think about you think about how hard we anguish and labor over. A comfortable and pain free lifestyle. How many of the hours a day is just spent to obtain things and stuff that will just pass away? And once we have all this stuff, look how it steals our time and our affections away from the perfect source, which restores our soul and rejoices our heart. Luke six twenty four and 25. I believe this is after the Beatitudes. Um, Jesus says, But woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. You see that? When, that's why riches can be so dangerous. And the things of this world are so dangerous because it steals our affections. And, we're, and, we're, and there's this fullness that we, we gather from that. He says, woe to you. It's, it's like, Be careful. It's, it's almost like, sorry, I'm sorry for you. For you're receiving your comfort in full. Your comfort's you're full already because of that. Woe to you who are well fed now. For you shall be hungry. And woe to you who laugh now. Maybe it's easy for you to laugh now because life is so easy. You know? For you, but you shall mourn and weep. Looking for satisfaction, ease, and deliverance of your burdens and things of this world ends in bondage. It's a trap. Just as Christian in Pilgrim's Progress was fooled by worldly wise men into seeking everything but Christ to remove his heavy burden. Many of you might be familiar with Pilgrim's Progress. But as Christian looked at the way worldly wise men you know, counseled him to go, he felt his burden become heavier on his back. And he eventually again saw evangelists coming a ways after that. And he began to blush with shame because Christian knew he was in error. And as evangelist said to him, how is it then that you are so quickly turned aside? For you are going the wrong way. Brethren, watch out, be alert, and be vigilant to guard your heart of worldly pursuits, of satisfaction, and you know, of fullness. So, perfect gifts are freely given, but note whom is associated with these perfect gifts. Looking at the Beatitudes, Matthew 5 and Luke 6, I can't remember if these are in order or not, but. Um, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied or filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Eternal life, the kingdom of heaven, comfort, peace, mercy, being called sons and daughters of God, these are good and perfect gifts. These are what satisfy, these are what fill. Pursuing this path is what sets you free from your burdens because it's pursuing Christ. These are gifts given through Christ Jesus, our mediator, our savior, our holy king. And they are given to those who are merciful and pure in heart, who are peacemakers, who hunger after righteousness, who are persecuted. And because these are graces of God, we must ask for them. Leads us to three point three. Pray for perfect gifts. So in our prayers of supplication, you know, when we ask things of God, you know, what do we what do we typically ask for? Provisions, you know, give me everything I need, you know, make me comfortable. Health. You know, of course, we don't like sickness. Protection, safety. For trials to go away, I've prayed that for our thorn in the side to go away, for the day to go good, for safety going to this place, we play pray for loved ones you know during Christmas a lot, we pray for safe travels. there's nothing wrong with that, but just remember we just you know we saw just pursuing anything but Christ is the wrong way and actually increases our burdens. So what you know, what's um, maybe a better way to pray? Not that we can't pray for those things. There's anything wrong with it. But look at, you know, turn with me to Ephesians 3, 16-19. Ephesians 3. 16 through 19. Listen for the graces and how Paul prays. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. 17. So Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, what a great thing to ask for. Rooted and grounded in love. 18. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. If you don't know what that means, you'll have to look it up and research breadth, length, height, and depth, because there was too much information there. And <laughs> would have made the sermon too long. 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Fullness of God. What else could we possibly want or need? Then in Philippians 1, uh, 9-11, Turn there if you like. Again, it's Paul. Um, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, and 11 filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Praying for perfect gifts. The divine graces. These are the lights. Graces from God. These are works of spirit that conform us to the likeness of Christ. Think about it. We need to ask for them. freely bestows them, but we still need to ask for them. James instructs us in verse 5. We saw earlier, But if if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach. And it will be given to him, but he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. As Jesus says in Matthew seven eleven, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? Matthew 21:22 In all things ask in prayer believing you will receive So do you pray enough for God's perfect gifts? I know I don't For strength to keep you from temptation, to be rooted and grounded in love, to love your wife as Christ loved the church, that you may be merciful and forgiving, pure and blameless Filled with the fruit of righteousness, do you cry out for discernment and understanding? For comfort and peace and affliction? Or are you only praying for temporal things in this world? of the gifts are free, but we must fervently pray for them. Asking again and again and again without wavering. Moving on in the text, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. From above, coming down from the Father of lights. God is the Father of lights, the Father, founder and author of all perfections, which are also, are all, are also signified and expressed by light. Therefore, it is usual in the Scriptures to attribute light to God and darkness to the devil. God is the author of all earthly lights, the sun, the moon, the stars. God is the author of all natural, rational, and moral light, and angels and men. God is the author of all spiritual light, eternal light, and the light of all graces in regenerate persons. He is the author of all good that is in us, that is in you. Reason, wisdom, holiness are often expressed by light, and they are all from God. Knowing and remembering this truth is useful to prevent corruption, such as glorying in ourselves. Many times we think, we look at someone else and we think we're better than them. It's a corruption. These are not your works, but God's. We must not boast in what has been authored and accomplished by God. It's taking credit for the work you didn't do. It's like a farmer boasting about a harvest. Yes, that he may have planted and put much time and effort and taken care. But he mustn't forget that it is God who gave birth to the seed and then who gave the rain and the sunshine to make it grow. Attracting glory to yourself instead of giving to whom it is deserved. Glory is the creature and not the creator. This is dangerous. We saw that in Romans 1. When we, when we glory in such, like in ourselves or in man, that's when God may remove the bridle of his restraining grace and give you over to a depraved mind. Or such things, or maybe hardened heart, removes that grace. He has every right to, because he's the father and author, founder. Just as it's a corruption to take credit in salvation, one saying that he chose God is a corruption, because he believes that there is some good in himself. The Scriptures clearly contradict this belief. One places Romans three ten through eleven. Many probably know this verse. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. There is no good in us. No one can choose God until God regenerates the heart. These are the lights authored and freely given by God, where scriptures are clear. We know Ephesians 2.8 are often heard as well, 2 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Do we have a part in it? Yes, of course. Our faith, our belief. But it's a gift. It's a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. What a beautiful thing. It's not upon us. See, it's in man's nature to boast in glory in himself. Matthew 23, uh, 12 says, Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. This is why we must be watchful of our pride. That is why you must pray for discernment, So that you may approve what is excellent and to not only pray, but to be diligent. To study and show yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 It takes hard work to know God. Pray for wisdom. In the last part of our text, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So no variation, or basically no change. It's a simple word. It would be easier to think of the opposite, to be things here on earth. Everything is changing. Like the wind's going this way and that trees changing in color which is beautiful the moon and stars sometimes visible or like your shadow that shifts with the sun or disappears into the clouds the earth is always changing always shifting time always moving forward your being always growing older your mind constantly changing and growing we are very movable shakable Changing with circumstances, changing in our purposes, unfaithful in our promises and our affections. Just like the waves of the sea being tossed to and fro, to God, from God, to the world, away from the world. I don't know if you guys get tossed around like that, but I do. Sometimes kind to our brother or sister, sometimes mean. Sometimes honoring our parents, sometimes disobedient. We are very mutable creatures. But not God. He is immutable. Those who haven't heard the word, I don't know if I said it yet or not, immutable, it's unable to be changed. We are mutable, easily changed. God is immutable, unchanging. Unchanging with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. He is always steadfast in loving kindness, always merciful, always just, always faithful in his promises, always perfect, immutable in his essence, immutable in his attributes, immutable in his counsel. But acknowledgement and understanding of this doctrine brings us three things. (laughs) Brings us the worship, two, brings us the comfort, and three, brings us the change. So one brings us to worship. We should be awestruck in the difference between our immutability and God's immutability. There is such, I mean, there's, there's an infinite gap between the two. The great Dutch theologian Herman Bovnik notes that the fact that God is unchanging in his being is of the utmost importance for maintaining the creature-creator distinction and for our worship of God He states, The doctrine of God's immutability is of highest significance for religion. The contrast between being and becoming marks the difference between the creature and the creator. Every creature is continually becoming. We are continually becoming, always changing. It is changeable, constantly striving, seeks rest and satisfaction, and finds this rest in God. In him alone, for only he is pure being and no becoming. Pure being. A.W. Pink writes, As fallen creatures, we are not only mutable, but everything in us is opposed to God. Fallen man is inconstant. People who like you may hate you tomorrow. Multitude who cried, Hosanna to the Son of David! Speedily changed to, away with him, crucify him! Easily changed. The infinite distinction, this infinite distinction between Creator and creature should lead us to our knees, repenting and crying out for God's graces, His lights. Oh God, give me more light. So what makes God immutable, unchanging, and worthy of our undivided worship? A. He is unchanging in His being. All He is today, He has ever been and ever will be. For I am the Lord, I change not. Malachi 3.6 B. His purposes are unchanging. Psalm 33.11 The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart are from generation to generation see he is unchanging in his promises once he has promised something he will not be unfaithful to that promise numbers 23:19 23:19 uh, god is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent has he said and will he not do it or has he spoken And will he not make it good? D, for his word is forever settled in heaven. Psalm 119.89. E, his love is eternal. I love thee with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3. And having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them until the end. John 13.1. F the last one here. His mercy ceases not, for it is everlasting. Psalm one hundred five, His mercy ceases not. Not only should this make us praise His name forever and ever, but it brings us comfort. To so the second point here, it brings us comfort. Most of us do not like uncertainty or, or unpredictability. You know, we, like, we really like to know what's going to happen next. I know there can be some excitement there, but I'd say the majority of us probably don't like uncertainty. We like security. You know, not knowing what's going to happen next many times makes us uncomfortable. In many cases, this leads to imaginable fears, which cause worry and anxiety in our lives, in our minds, and our hearts? Because you you see, we seek and value predictability and comfort, almost to like a point. I, I mean, of idolatry, we worship it, especially in this culture. We seek it so much, but these are some of the greatest human pursuits. It's for comfort and a pain-free lifestyle. But is it not ironic that humanity seeks comfort in uncertain and unpredictable things? Think about it. We seek comfort in things we think we can depend on or put our trust in or hope in. Jobs, money, um, in relationships, in our health. Many of the things that end up hurting us because we place our hope there. We place so much value there. But all these things are ever-changing. They, they are all uncertain and unpredictable. Human nature cannot be relied upon. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. Men, we would think that we are rocks, but we're not. It we might look like it at times. Only God is. Deuteronomy 32, four says, The rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteousness and upright is He. God is ever the same. His purpose is fixed, His will is stable, His word is sure, His compassionate love never ends. Here is solid comfort... Here, then, is a rock on which we may fix our feet. While everything around us is changing, God remains unchanging. Isaiah 54.10 says, For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. I just love Psalm 16. Um, Pastor Matt preached on this maybe middle of last year sometime. Uh, but looking at you know, verses uh, 8, 9, and 11, it's just a great verse to meditate on. I think it shows a great picture of what it looks like to have God as your surety, as your comfort. It says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Only through God, our rock, comes comfort, certainty, and predictability. Understanding God's immutability should drive us to be like Him. It should bring us to change. The last point here brings us to change. John 3.19 says, You are the light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Oh, we are so mutable. Oh, how we need God's perfect gifts, lights from above. James Manton writes, The more immutable you are, the less you are like God. Oh, how you should loathe yourselves when you are so fickle in your purposes, so changeable in your resolutions. God is immutably holy, but you have a heart that loveth to wonder. He is always the same, but you are soon removed so soon shaken in mind, worried with every blast, borne down with every new emergency and temptation. But the more you continue in the good that you have learned and been assured of, the more do you resemble divine perfection. It's like a Timothy 3.14. Striving for constancy in divine perfection is a worthy pursuit. It should be a very high value for us. Think about what your life would look like if you were more immutable, unchanging in a divine way. Always merciful, always forgiving, always tender-hearted, always just, always walking in purity and humility, always keeping your word. How much better of a spouse would you be? A father, or a mother, or a daughter, or a son, or a mentor, or grandmother, grandfather. Or a Christian. What's better for a Christian would you be? Our will needs to be God's will, like Christ prays when He knowing when knowing his sacrifice is near. His life. Earthly body coming to an end. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, yours be done. Can you pray this? God's will be done. Your will be done. Can you say, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee? I love that hymn i was going to read some of the, uh, the words there. And that'll be the end of this part. I mean, today's sermon. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow with endless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet, let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always, only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall no longer be mine. Take my heart. It is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet this treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for thee. Beautiful. Let's pray. Oh God, Would you help us be a people that that prays for your good and perfect gifts? Rooted and grounded in love. Lord, help us to be more merciful, forgiving. Help us to place value in you, the rock. our only comfort, the only thing that fills us and satisfies us. You throw out the affections for this world, the pleasures that we seek. God, help us to pray for more light, more light. Give us more light. In name, amen.